This morning I would ask you if you will take your Bibles and make your way to the book of Judges chapter 4. Judges chapter 4. We're going to be looking primarily at a lady's life. It doesn't identify her as a mother. Uh, it does identify her that she is married, but it never does give us any genealogy whether she had children. But we're going to be looking primarily at her life this morning and uh, as a pattern of a mother as she served in the nation of Israel. This morning as we come to church to worship and honor God, one of the greatest forms of worship and worshiping God is obedience. That's one of the greatest forms of worship that we can do. When we look in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1 and 2, you'll notice I didn't go straight to verse 2 where it says, Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment was promised. And I want us to go ahead and just reach up there and grab verse 1, too, where it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So, uh, but it tells us there, one of the things the Scripture tells us to do is to honor our father and our mother. Hey, when we have a Mother's Day, when we celebrate Father's Day, we're doing exactly what the Word of God says in doing that. So this morning, we're going to look at the life of some of the mothers that are mentioned in the Bible and bring out their accomplishments. The focus, again, uh, is going to be on one uh, in the Bible called Deborah, her story that's found in, in uh, Judges chapter 4. Now, you can't hardly talk about Mother's Day if you're going to mention mothers in the Bible without mentioning Eve. Because when we read in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 20, it says Adam called his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living. Every single one of us are descendants from Adam and Eve. We also read in the Bible, it only mentions that three of her children, Cain, Abel, and Seth, but it also tells us that she had many other children. I, I was sitting here thinking about Eve. She didn't have a mother to go to and say, Woo, what's happening to me? Or she didn't have to go to a mother and says, Mom, are these stretch marks ever going to go away? She's the first one, listen to this, she was the first one to ever go into labor. She had no one else to talk to about it. She's the first one to change a diaper. If they had diapers back then, I mean, they were still having to figure that out. They didn't know what to do. I don't know, I don't know what, what they'd done back then, but maybe she was the first one to change a diaper teach one to walk, teach one to talk. I mean, she was the first one. She didn't have anybody to go to. We, on the other hand, have many people to go to. And uh, we're, I'm glad that it's that way. That, I mean, I do. I, I, I call Dad up every now and then and ask him a question, give me some advice about this. I have lots of godly men here in our church we can do the same thing with, and uh, I'm glad that we're able to do that. Uh, there are several quotes when it comes to to mothers that I came across. I like this one. The mother holds in her hands the supreme opportunity to change the world. A mother holds in her hands. When a mother takes on a brand new baby, we got one back there, what, about three months old? <coughs> and a whole lot of the molding of that child is going to be coming from the mother. And if this is another one that I, I, I read. It says, Give me a generation of Christian mothers 
and I can change the face of America in 12 months. If we had more mothers in America that would raise their children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, we could change the whole generation. Another one is, if we are ever going to beat the devil, we must beat him with the cradle. That's where it starts. Uh, one of the things that I've heard in, in uh, raising children, uh, the time that the children learn most of their morals and their values and the way they're going to respond is from two to four years old. That seems like it's an awful young age. But from two to four years old, a child, when he realizes what he can get away with, what he can't get away with, whether he's going to be disciplined, whether he's going to have to take on responsibility or not, all of those things are taught between that precious age of two to four years old. So I want to challenge our mothers. I'm telling you, we've got a great responsibility in America today and in our society today. Mothers, you are the teachers of our children at home. Let us lead them in godly instructions. A lot of times, uh, as parents, we want to parent in this do as I say, not as I do mode. Anybody guilty of that? God is calling us. We're teaching our children by the way we act, the things we say, the things we do. Uh, that's another way of teaching. Eve was one of the mothers that we talked about. Another one of the mothers that we read about in the Bible is Jochebed. Who knows who Jochebed is? Moses' mom. I want you to know Jochebed, she was Moses' mom. And, and when she had a little Moses, she realized that Moses, there was something special about him. The government's rule was if you had a boy baby, you were to take him to the Nile River and to throw him in the river and put him to death. The Egyptians were afraid that the groups of Israelites were getting too large and that they were going to overthrow the Egyptians. But Jochebed went against what the government said, went against what society said, went against at the, at the cost of even her own life, and she chose to spare the life of her son. She took him, and everybody knows the story. She took him and placed him in a basket, put him in the Nile River, and then supervised his little canoe trip or his little basket trip until he was rescued and he was raised in the palace of Egypt. But she refused. Even though the government had a law, she refused to go against God's law, and that's what made Jochebed such a, uh, a great mother. She determined that she was going to follow in the steps of what God had called us to do. One of God's, one of Jochebed's examples says, let us not allow, now listen to this, our society, our social media, the worldly morals, if there is such, that may be an oxymoron statement, worldly moral. Listen to this, even our own morals, to determine what we should teach our children. But in Deuteronomy chapter 6, in verse 6 it says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in your heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Thou shalt talk with them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. So when is it that we are supposed to be teaching our children the ways of God? All day long. Every morning, every night, while you're out during the day, 
That is when he tells us that we are to teach. And that's why I say we need to even be careful of our own laws. We sometimes, what we think is right, God determines not right. I mean, even our, even our government tells us certain things are right. They, they have made a lot of things legal in America today. You can be a Christian and legally you can do the things that the Bible, I mean, that the, the government says is okay, but according to the Word of God, you're sinning against God. Because our worldly morals are not the morals that God has displayed in the Word of God. We're going to answer for the morals that God has laid out. So, that's what makes Jochebed so, so, such a, a good example in the Word of God. She stood on what the Bible said and not what the society was telling her around her. Another one that's kind of hard to exempt from when we're talking about mothers of the Bible is Mary. I mean, Mary was the mother of Jesus. In Luke chapter 1 verse 28, Gabriel, when he came to Mary, he says, you are, you are highly favored in God's eyes. And it was simply because Mary was a willing servant to do whatever God called on her. She didn't understand what God was calling her to do. But she said, whatever you say, that's what I'm willing to do. So, such is I. So, we could keep, we could keep going on with a lot of lists. I mean, Hannah, the mother of Samuel, Sarah, Abraham's wife, Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. We could talk about a lot of different examples in the Bible about godly mothers. But I want us to focus this morning on one named Deborah. Again, if you're in Judges chapter 4, uh, verse 4 is where we're going to start. But again, it doesn't tell us that Deborah is a mother. But what I want us to see as we start looking at the life of Deborah and the way that she conducted herself as a judge over the nation of Israel, my goodness, the qualities of a mother just jump off the page. They just jump off the page at you. Now I told you to turn to uh, chapter 4. Look, before you do, look at chapter 5 and verse 7. Look what it says right there. Judges chapter 5 and verse 7. And this is why I was able to pick uh, Deborah as an example for Mother's Day because it tells us, The inheritance of the villages ceased, they ceased in Israel until that I, Deborah, arose, that I arose a mother in Israel. Deborah was a mother figure for the nation of Israel. Now, we're studying the book of Judges in our Sunday school class, and what we find out, as long as God would send a judge into the nation of Israel, Israel had peace. And the judge, it's, it's not like the judge that we're talking about today. Not, not like Judge Judy or, or uh, People's Court. That's, that's not the kind of judge we're talking about. We're talking about a leader over the people. So when we look at Deborah, we're going to see that she was a leader over the people and she is going to lead the people like a mother over the nation of Israel. So we find here, as we start in chapter 4 and verse number 4, this is what we find. This is, this is where the nation of Israel is. They, are, they have been taken slave and they are captive to the Canaanites. Canaanites have an evil king that's serving over them and and is bearing down the Israelite nation. One of the reasons they can't break away from this group of Canaanites 
This king has 900 iron chariots. Now, I don't know if you do much history reading, but what you're going to find out back in those days, if you knew how to, how to uh, make iron, oh, you were head and shoulders above any of the other nations. As a matter of fact, they tried to keep it a secret that how to make iron because as long as they had iron, they, were, they had the upper hand on all these other nations when it came to warfare. But these Canaanites had 900 chariots. The nation of Israel just didn't have much as far as defense mechanisms. But look what it says here in verse number 4. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lependeth, she judged Israel at that time. So one of the things, or one of the first things that we find out that Deborah was a judge and the people would come to her, they respected her, they would come to her and they would say, hey listen, this is what's going on, can you help me with this? Now I want us to know that, that Deborah was not the only lady prophet in the Bible. Okay? I know a lot of people have problems with ladies taking a, uh, a leadership authority in the church. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. She was a prophet. She was the in the she was the go between between God and the whole nation of Israel. Myra, this was Moses' sister, was also a prophet. Uh, Hilda, which is in, you find it in Second Kings 22, she was also a prophet that intervened for the nation of Israel. Anna was a prophet when Jesus was eight days old and he came to the temple to be circumcised. Anna came forth to Mary and Joseph and prophesied about David, I mean, about Jesus. Philip, one of the first disciples, or one of the first deacons in the Bible, says that she, he had four daughters that were prophetesses. So, I mean, we can't deny that God uses women as leaders in the church, leaders in our society. I mean, He exalted them. And what we have to understand also is that when we use the word prophet, doesn't necessarily mean that they're foretelling the future. Okay? A prophet simply spoke in the place of someone else. In other words, someone would come to them and they were relaying the message. Or some, the message was something that was going to be taking place in the future. It would be no different than an ambassador today. An ambassador repeats what the president says. They don't say on their own behalf. They speak on, on the, the president's behalf. That's what a prophetess or a prophet would do, speaking on the behalf of God. So when we come here, it says Deborah was a judge, and the people came to her with their problems and judgment. So I really like, I really like when we read this, Look in verse number 5. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Now, what this says is any time the people, they knew where Deborah was. If two people in the, in the nation of Israel had a problem and they couldn't resolve it, well, they just went to Deborah. People respected her. They knew that she had good judgment. They recognized her wisdom. She was a, kind of like a mother. She was a problem solver. She had the wisdom to be able to solve problems. How many times do we, when we, especially growing up, when we had a problem, the majority of the time, I didn't want to go to dad. I went to mom. 
Mom, this teacher is not doing this, or this teacher is not doing that. A lot of times my mom would call the teacher, and then when I got home, I got a whipping because she got the other side of the story. She solved the problem. She was a problem solver. That's what Deborah was. I want you to know mothers are problem solvers. Another way that she was a problem solver, she was also a peacemaker. When two groups came together and they were having a problem, they couldn't settle an argument, Deborah was there under the tree and she would resolve the, the peace. She would make peace between them. I can remember. My mom was a whole lot like that. She was a peacemaker. Me and my brother, we piled up in knots and we fought in the middle of the floor, getting head chokes, doing everything that we could do to fight, and mom coming there. She was the peacemaker. It's a wonder what a bucket of, a, a bucket of mop water does to a fight. Instantly, we got peace. Me and my brother quit fighting because after she broke up the fight, she would make us hug. That was enough incentive to keep us from fighting the next time. Oh, we get we kept it out of sight of Mama. But Deborah was not just a problem solver. Not only was she a peacemaker, but she was a burden bearer. She took our burdens before the Lord. When Deborah had a problem and the people and she didn't know what to do, Deborah was a prayer warrior. How many mamas do we have that are prayer warriors? Oh my goodness. I remember Carl, I remember going in my mom's bedroom and seeing there was a place on the floor where she would kneel at night and she would pray. And I'm not saying that she spent hours there, but it was a practice of hers that she would go in and she would kneel on the floor and she would pray and she calls our name before the Lord. I know I talked to my dad occasionally. He's got a list of all the names of the kids, all the grandkids, all the great-grandkids. He says, Wayne, I just want you to know I call your name every day. You know how comforting that is? My mom was a burden bearer. I was a, uh, uh, she was an encourager. Moms are encouragers. Look what it says in the scriptures in, in verse number 6 and 7. I want you to catch something right here. So it says in verse 5, I'm going to go ahead and start reading from verse 5. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramoth and Bethel and Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came to her for judgment. And she sent, and she called Barak. Now Barak was kind of the military leader of the nation of Israel at that time. The son of Obanan out of Kishinah, and said unto him. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali and the children of Zebulun? Now, I want us to notice something here. I want us to notice something here. It does not say that the Lord came to Deborah and said, Go to Barak and tell him to do this. That is not what the Scripture says. Now, when I was little, I remember people teaching me that, that, that God came to Deborah the prophetess and said, Go to Barak and tell him to go and fight against this nation. No, 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 no. It says, And she and she sent and called Barak the son of Abinah of Kishinah and said unto him, 
hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded? This is what she's doing. She's saying, Barak, hadn't God already said to you, take a group of men and go fight against the nation of, of, of the Canaanites? I, I want you to know that is exactly what a mother does. The mother of Israel is going over here and said, listen, son, didn't daddy tell you to do this? I am trying to intervene for you. I am trying my best to keep you out of trouble. Wasn't you told to do this and, and that? Haven't you been told? You want to know something? I believe that's what a preacher is today. A preacher is, is one that sometimes goes before the people and says, Listen, guys, didn't y'all read where God said this is what we should be doing? That's what we should be doing? It's just to be an encourager. To get you to go in the direction that the Lord is leading you. Or that the Lord is telling you. So look what he says in the next verse. He says, listen, hadn't God said this? And then God also said, and I will draw unto thee to the river of the Kishon, Sisera, which was the king of the Canaanites, the captain of, of Jabin's army, which it, with his chariots and his multitude, I will deliver him into thy hand. She said, listen, didn't God tell you to go fight against them? And didn't God say that if you will go, He will give you the victory? That's holding you up. Okay, what's the problem? I see, this is another characteristic of a mother. A mother is a protector, a provider. She's, she's kind of one that goes intervene. How many times have you seen a picture of a mother taking that kindergartner up the steps? As he goes into kindergarten the first time, this little kid don't know what to expect. He don't know what's coming. He don't know who that teacher is. And she's holding his hand, taking him up to the front steps, and dropping him off. And then she'll stand there. She'll wait till he gets all settled in. What we're fixing to see is that is exactly what this mother of Israel, Deborah, is doing for Barak. Because Barak, in Hebrews, when you read in Hebrews about the, in chapter 11, about the men of faith, Barak is listed there. He was a mighty man of faith. But what we're fixing to see, oh, Barak saying, okay, Deborah, I really want to do this, but, but now listen, I'm not going to go and do what God commands unless you come with me. Come on, Barak. Take my hand. I'll go with you to face the army of the Canaanites. And I mean, see, Barak is sitting there and he's looking, he says, Deborah, don't you see? 900 iron chariots. We don't have a chariot of one. How are we going to... Come on, baby. Come on. I know. I know. It's going to be scary. You've never seen this teacher before. And I know you've got to play with kids. You don't even know their name. They're going to be strangers to you. But come on. I'm sure. I'm, I'm telling you, it's going to be okay. Come on, Barak. It's okay to go fight these Canaanites. God is on your side. Isn't that kind of what a mother does? Look what it says here in this next verse. And she said, I will surely go with thee. Notwithstanding the journey that thou takest shall not be for thine honor. For the Lord shall sell Sisera, which is the leader of the army, unto the hand of a woman. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. In other words, this is what she said. He said, now listen, Barak, you can go on your own. And if you'll go on your own, 
when the battle is over, everybody's going to lift up their rock and say, man, you've done a great God. But if you have me go along with you to hold your hand, and I don't mind going with you and holding your hand, but if you have me go with you and hold your hand, a woman is going to take honor for this victory. Now we're going to look at the rest of this event, the story that we, we see here, and we're going to see that what I love about this also is Deborah, like a true mother, when it's all said and done, she steps back, she takes no honor, she takes no glory for the victory, and she gives it to someone else. My goodness, the love of a mother. That's why I picked out Deborah to speak about this morning. She was the mother of the nation of Israel. Let's look in verse 10. And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali and Kadesh. He went up with the 10,000 men at his feet, and Deborah went with him. Now Heber and Kenot, which was of the children of Horab, father-in-law of Moses, they also went up. In verse 12 it says, uh, they went up to Mount Tabor. Now verse 13, And Sisera, this was the army leader for the Canaanites, gathered together all of his chariots, even 900 chariots of iron, and all the people that were with him from uh, Horadesh and the, Gen- uh, the Gentiles unto the river of Kishar. And Deborah said unto Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord hath delivered Sisera unto thy hands. Is not the Lord gone out before thee? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor, and 10,000 men after him. And I want you to know, he was outnumbered when he even went out. The, ten, the 900 chariots were so much overpowering. But what we find is when we will be faithful to the Lord Jesus, when we will be faithful to make a stand, no matter what the rest of society is teaching, no matter what our government is telling us to do or not to do, I'm telling you, if you will stand and, and place your feet firmly in the name of the Lord and what God's Word says, the victory is mine, saith the Lord. The victory is mine, saith the Lord. No matter whatever all society tells us, if we will put our faith and trust in the Lord, He will guide and direct our path, and the victory will be ours. And that is exactly what happened. Now, it tells us in that next verse, and it says, And the Lord discom- uh, com- discomforted the, the, the leader of the army and all of his chariots and all of his hosts, with the edge of the sword, Barak, so that Caesarea lied of God off of his church and he fed away from the fight. So we see, now it doesn't tell us when you when you get into chapter 5, uh, Deborah is singing a song, and it gives you an idea that something from the sky takes place. doesn't tell us what it is. Several occasions we read in the scriptures where God sent down hailstones. I don't know how it tells us that he de- he destroyed these 900 chariots. But what happened in the battle, the, the leader of the army, because they were being defeated, took off on his feet and ran away. When he ran away, he ran to a lady's tent. Her name was, you look in verse number 20, her name was J-A-E-L, Jael. Verse number 20, again it says, He said and heard, Stand in the door of the tent, and it shall be when any man doth come and inquire of thee, and say, 
is there any man here that thou shalt say no? This is this is kind of violent. Alright? So the one that is running from the battle of the Lord is now come to this lady's tent. He goes in there and he lays down. He says, can you give me a drink of water? She gives him a drink of milk. And when he lays down, I'll just read it. Then Jael, Herbert's wife, took a nail out of the tent, took a hammer in her hand, and went softly into him and smote the nail to his temple and fastened it to the ground. So he was fast asleep and weary. So he died. Listen, when, when you serve the Lord and you're obedient to the Lord, God's got allies out there in this world that you know nothing about. When she thought, when he thought he had done got away safely and he thought he was in safe harbor, I don't know if the Lord instructed her to do that. I know that that's what she done. And she was the one that took the victory. She was the one that was given credit for completing the battle for all of this. And Deborah like the mother of Israel, stood in the background and gave credit for credit to Jesus. Deborah, mother of Israel. Now, before we finish this morning, I do not want to take anything away from our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to turn to Psalms 23 real quick and look at it through the eyes of a mother. Psalms 23. See if this does not characterize the characteristics of a mother. The first few words describe who the Lord is to us. The Lord is my shepherd. If we're talking about a mother, we can say, I shall not want. She makes me to lie down in green pastures, and she leads me beside still waters. Now listen again, I, I'm not taking the characteristics out of this, this message being about the Lord and what He does for us. But doesn't the mother make us lie down and keep us from going places that we shouldn't? Doesn't, doesn't she lead us beside still waters? Hey honey, you don't, you don't need to run around with that bush right there. You need, to, you need to stay away from that group right there. No, you don't need to go over there. You need to stay away from that place. Here, I want to, here. Come go to church with me. Let me here. Sit down, Wayne. I'm going to teach you, and I'm, I want you to memorize the Lord's the Lord's prayer tonight. There's a blue chair, blue chair in my mama's bedroom, and we would go and sit in that blue chair, and, and she, every one of us kids, would go in there. She taught us and memorized Psalms 23. We memorized. Uh, the Lord's Prayer. We, we memorized several scriptures. She would take us and set us in that blue chair. She led us beside still waters. My mama restored my soul so many times. I could, tell, I could give you story after story where I had rebelled against my parents, against my mom, and then she would restore me. She led me in the path of righteousness. When I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I can remember the first death that I ever went through was in 1972. That made me 12 years old, and my, my papa died, and I, that's the first time I remember having to deal with death. My mom and dad both walked, walked through me with that. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. 
Mama's rod and staff, though, it comforted me. <laughs> uh, I appreciated one Christmas, and I know I've told you probably this. My youngest son came to us, and the best Christmas gift we got that year was he said, Mom and Daddy, he said, I know I complained all these years about how many whippings I got when I was growing up. I said, I just want to thank you for all those whippings you gave me, because I would not be the man I am today had you not led me in the path that I needed to go. Rod and staff, they comfort me. I prepare the table before me, the presence of my enemies. I don't know how many times my mama took care of me and anointed my head with oil, or so to speak, she took care of me, she kissed my knees. <laughs> my goodness, I wonder, all the, when you look in the book of Judges, there was only one lady judge. All the other was men. And you know what? A woman has a different touch about herself. Imagine the man, when he was the judge, he sat up in a room in a big chair looking down on the people. But when we see Deborah, see, she saw it. She was under a tree when she dug her judgment. I, I see Deborah, she would care for and she nourished and she held the hand of Barak as they went into battle. I remember Daddy. Daddy said, rub some dirt on it. Get over it. Daddy asked questions like, are you bleeding? No, sir. Well, it must not hurt. What would Mama do? I'm going to hug you and say, come here, honey. She would kiss it all better. And it seemed like it made it better. And I want you to know God knows exactly what you and I need. We need the nurturing side of a mother and we need the, the sternness of a man to raise her generation. We need a godly teacher that's supposed to be. The greatest thing that a mother could ever do for the ones that she loves and her kids and family tell them about Jesus. The greatest thing any woman can ever do. And as we come to Mother's Day today, God did not make us the same. God didn't. Man is a man and a woman is a woman. And we need both in raising our children and the admonition of the Lord. And I just pray this morning, if you're here this morning and you're a mother and you don't know the Lord Jesus, the greatest gift you can give your family is come to know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior. If you're a father here this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus, the greatest thing you can do for your wife is come to know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior. And then us to teach our children. We can change the next generation by teaching them who Jesus is. Let's stand here. Father, I want to thank you again for the opportunity to brag on our moms this morning and who they are and what they mean to us in our lives. And as we open up your word, we see many, many examples throughout the scriptures of what, uh, how you use illustrations with Deborah and all the ladies that we mentioned this morning about being godly, godly mothers. And I just thank you for that. Father, I thank you for the mothers that are here this morning. It's our privilege and honor to, to lift them up and recognize them. And I do, I pray that maybe today would be a day that, that we step out and say, I'm going to be uh, a better mom than I've ever been. I'm going to be a better granny than I've ever been. I'm going to be a better great-grandmother than I've ever been. And I'm going to do that by leading my children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren 
in, in the Lord by being here and attending and participating in their lives as they, they come to know the Lord. Thank you again for this opportunity. God, I don't know what the need might be this morning, but I pray that you'll be pleased with the decisions we make in Jesus' name. Amen.